Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 744. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will tell you how at the end of the program. Just let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're both free, including the postage and handling. Um, we have a strong message from uh, the continuation of yesterday's message from the book of Luke. And also I have some music and possibly some letters. Don't never know. You know, sometimes when I get uh, into the spirit and uh, pouring out uh, down upon me, I just want to preach the gospel instead of read letters. Um, right now, though, let's get up to the throne of the Lord and pray. Father, uh, continue to anoint me as you always do, uh, that people can know the real truth. Because you're coming back to us so soon, and it's time for people to discard everything in this world, to just turn everything away and receive you and just walk in your spirit, walk with God. Um, Lord, I pray that everybody in the world will receive your blessings, that they will believe that they are already given to them, so that they can receive them. You've already given us the commonwealth of the kingdom of heaven. So give everybody the faith to just receive, to believe, to receive what you told them to do so that they'll do it. And then that way you're going to recompense them with the blessings that you said that all of us receive when we serve the Lord. Lord God, even the least, each one of them, people need healing and all the other things uh, that you've promised them. Lord, let them have them, and uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, and uh, we pray, and everybody says amen. Amen. Okay, there's a little verse I'd like to read here before I <clears throat> we play this next song, and it's verse 22, and this is chapter 16, verse 22. It says, and this Lazarus, this uh, man, that uh, the dogs would lick his source and everything, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Um, and here the angels came and got him. And this is a song that I just recorded. It's called Angel Band. Come, Angel Band. Stand around me, angel band. Take me into Abraham's bosom. Go ahead, play it. You know, there's nothing better than to know that you're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. My latest son is sinking fast. My race is near. My strongest trials now are past. My triumph has begun. Oh, come, angel band, come and around me stand. Yeah. 
people today say yeah 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 like they know something but boy let me tell you something let me tell you something when i'm telling you about the lord i'm telling you about something i'm not telling you yeah 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 and all this stuff that these uh, young punkers and everything say i'm telling you about jesus i'm telling you about the day it's going to come one of these days when the lord takes you right out into eternity and some people, most of the people will be going into the rock place that they're not going to like. But some of us are going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, I was just um, reading last about something here. i take this sticky off. And I was reading about this. Uh, it came to pass that this beggar, let's say there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, this rich man's gate, full of sores. This rich man didn't care anything. It's not wrong to be rich, but to just see somebody full of sores and not get some ointment for them and pray for them and do something like that. And he was desiring, this poor beggar was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from this weasels, this rich man's uh, table. You know, whenever I see anybody that's hungry, I just want to get them everything. I want to get them a, a sandwich and uh, or a dinner of some kind. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores instead of hiring a nurse and doing something for this man. Verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel band into Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom, that's where uh, people go when they die that are going to heaven. The rich man uh, also died and was buried. Verse 23, and in hell... 
What? What do you mean? Hell, just because you're rich? Uh-uh. Because you didn't have any moisy. No moisy. And in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes. Uh, being in torments. This poor beggar was in torments. All the days of his life, he was like, um, God, I'm hungry and I'm just full of sores. And this rich man, I just hope he drops something on the floor so I can eat it. Nothing wrong about being rich if you spread the goodies around. Amen. Amen. And uh, he sees Abraham afar off. There's a gulf there. And, oh, he could see him on the other side. And Lazarus in his bosom. Oh, this poor beggar now. He has the riches of glory. He has all that could ever be wanted. This is far more than anything that we could ever want. The poor man. This beggar is in Abraham's bosom. And he uh, cried, the rich man cried out and said, Father, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Mercy, mercy. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my mouth, cool my tongue. Let Lazarus do something for me. After all, I let him have crumbs off my table, for I am tormented in this this uh, flame. Oh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, good God Almighty. Let me tell you what he said. I'm tormented in this flame. This, you know, this is good for the Jehovah's Witnesses to read because they don't believe there's any flame that human souls are going into for eternity. People pick and choose what they want to believe. And isn't that fine? No, you may think it's fine now, but you won't like it when the reality of what the Lord said in his word comes to pass. Verse 25. But Abraham, uh, he had something to say to this uh, rich man who's now tormented in hell. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy uh, lifetime, when you had, uh, you were in the life's dressing room. Uh, you know, here on this earth, we're here to, uh, as, as a dressing room for eternity. We choose where we're going to live, whether we're going to live in heaven or in hell. And, you know, we have an inferiority complex or something, like to lord it over people and say, uh, look at me, I'm better than you. Um, you can't eat up here where I am. I want you to know that I'm high and you're dirt, you scum. So Abraham said, son, son, Remember that thou in thy lifetime in this world, in uh, life's dressing room for eternity, receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, 
at your hand, no doubt, no less. But now he is uh, comforted, and thou art tormented. He is comforted for eternity forever, and thou art tormented forever. Verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Uh, Lazarus cannot come out of heaven. He's there forever. The Lord wants to comfort those that are being abused by people like you. The Lord gave you, allowed you to have riches to see what you do with them, and you didn't do right. So there's a great gulf fixed between the both of us, so that they which would pass from hands from where you're at, uh, from there to you, cannot, even though we are benevolent people and we like to help people, we'd like to help you, but we can't. We can't come over there. Lazarus can't come over there and put a drop of water on your rotten tongue. Neither can they pass to us that would come from where you're at. Verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, this rich man says, that I pray thee, therefore, uh, Father, that thou wouldest send Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brothers that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment well maybe they have inferiority complexes too and want to lord it over people and eat uh, you know steak sandwiches and uh, French fries and all the goodies. Nice, fresh, crisp, cold celery sticks. Mm, tall glasses of lemonade. Kool-Aid or whatever your favorite drink is. Tell them to come so that they, you know, tell them about this place so that they don't come into this place of torment. Get Jehovah's Witnesses, do you hear that? Hell is not a place, a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. It's where people's souls go to be there forever. Verse 29, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Let them believe what they said. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them, from the dead, they will repent. Well, look at Jesus raised from the dead and they didn't repent. They uh, didn't repent. He rose from the dead. Lazarus raised from the dead and they wanted to kill him. And uh, Abraham said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they hear not Jesus, if they don't hear us, the, the disciples of Jesus, if they don't believe those that are preaching the gospel, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You can see, Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into the kingdom of heaven with over 500 witnesses, and still, you people in the world do not believe. 
all what Abraham was saying was true. If they won't believe Moses, the prophets, Jesus, the disciples, and those of us that are disciples today, you wouldn't be persuaded even though if one rose from the dead because Jesus did, Lazarus did, and many others did. The Bible said when Jesus was raised from the dead that the whole bunch of the people in the graveyard rose also from the dead. Isn't that something? So you won't be persuaded. As a matter of fact, the world at large is persecuting those of us who have been risen from the dead. What they're saying, what are you saying? Are you have risen from the dead? Yes, I was dead in my sins and trespasses. And Jesus, when I went to him, when he put the fear of God into me, and I knelt down and said, don't let me go to hell, save my soul, he did. And therefore he said that we have risen from death unto life. And still... You won't believe. Somebody walking away from, I even own a Beatles album. It's worth, uh, I've been told, over $100 million. And I put that down. I won't sell it. And you still don't believe. What's with you? What good would it be if somebody came that you knew died 10 years ago and came to you and you'd say you weren't really dead in the first place? Where were you hiding? That's the kind of weasels that are in this world today. There's nothing that will persuade them, even this rich man, until he was in the flames. Then you'll be persuaded, but it'll be too late then, friend. Okay, now then. Chapter 17, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. It's impossible for there not to be offenses, in other words. You know, there's going to be guys that are just going to give you a crumb, uh, or somebody will pluck, uh, they have a property, and you're there visiting them, and they'll pluck a uh, mango off of the tree and peel it with a jackknife and eat it in front of you, knowing that there's saliva accumulating in your mouth that you'd like to have one too, and they wouldn't even offer you one. And you're too shy to ask, can I have one too? For fear he'll say no and put you down like you're a scum bag. But woe unto him through whom these offenses come like that. Because if God sent, uh, God being a person, a God that does has no respect of persons, if he put the rich man in hell, what do you think he's going to do to you? Governor, president, king, pope, all you weasels that are starving people to death throughout the world, paying money, the government, you're making the government pay money to farmers to not grow food and hand it out to the poor and the hungry. And we have to look at these hungry little children as though they're ours and that they're our kids because God has said they are. And not only God's children, but that they are Jesus. Because inasmuch as you've done it unto one of these little ones, you've done it unto me. Well, there's some of these churches that are saying, give us the money and we'll feed them and clothe them and house them. 
And they go over there, and you can see a big bowl of marsh that they give them. I know myself, I've sent them hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I'm not sure that the people got it. I know that I built several water wells, but I don't know, you know, they might have spent some of the money that I sent them on water wells, but did they spend it all? I would that I had the connections to know uh, who it is over there that's hungry and who in the United States is hungry uh, so that I can give them some food. People call, uh, call us all the time for food, and we give it to them. But a lot of people, I guess, think that we're as big of a sham as the rest of them, and we're not. Now, some people we know we've sent thousands of dollars over to different people, and then people would write us and tell us, they stopped feeding the hungry, they stopped giving to drink to the hungry and the naked, they will not give them clothes any longer, but they're spending the money on their girlfriends. So when I found that to be true, I stopped giving them money because, you know, we're not here to support people's illicit girlfriends. If they're hungry, we give them, but not that. So woe unto him through whom they, these offenses come. That's offensive to me when I see the little children starving and they're spending it on their girlfriends. It were better for him that a millstone, an offensive person like that, that a millstone were hanged about his neck. A millstone is one of those big millstones that you see in the movies where Samson was pushing it around to grinding the corn and the meal, the wheat. One of those big ones was hanged around your neck. The size that it takes in the Greek, it says the size of a millstone that an ox has to push. That's a big, big millstone that is hanged about your neck. And he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. The little ones will know in the kingdom of heaven when some of us have sent in money to feed them and instead they spent the money on their girlfriends and they've started eating at big hotels. I know one that I sent thousands to and even bought a bus for them to transport them out of a war zone uh, to get into another place where it was safe. And so he went there and he was living in, uh, what was it, $300 a night rooms in hotels over in Africa? Something, it was uh, 100 to $300 a night rooms. I had sent it to him for that. I built bathrooms for them and all that kind of stuff. Not bragging or anything like that. That's just what Jesus in me did. I'm not saying that I did it. I wouldn't have given them uh, a, a dime for a cup of coffee before I was saved. But now that I'm saved, I obey the Lord what he says to do. Because I don't want a millstone hanged about my neck. I don't want that kind of a necktie to go that to that kind of a necktie party. And he uh, be cast into the sea. It's better than that he should offend one of these little tiny kids that are starving to death. Verse 3. Take heed, pay attention now, to yourselves. If thy brother 
trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he does something wrong, rebuke him. And if he repent, then forgive him. There's so many people don't repent. They just keep going. They're like pigs, you know. Nothing gets to them because their heart is solid grease. Verse 4. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Verse 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Verse 6, And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. In other words, if you were one of the branches of the vine, Jesus is the vine, and if you're uh, fused into him, if you're married to him, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might... Say unto this uh, sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Verse 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet. After this guy's been working all day late, will you sit down and feed the dude? Verse 8. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself. And serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Verse 9. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded by God for you to do, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. All right, if a pastor lets you into his church and he provides a place for you to live, food for you to eat, clothing for you to wear, uh, things for you to put in your hair, uh, shampoos, socks, shoes, clothing, and brings the messages to you more than anything, the messages of life, and leads you to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tells you all these things. It's your and then, uh, if you're sick, send you to the hospital. If your teeth are bothering you, there's something wrong, send you to get your teeth fixed. 
to take you to amusement parks to uh, provide more than anyone else is receiving in this world. I would say 99% of the people in the world giving them all these things. Isn't it your reasonable duty to do what they tell you to do? And that if they have worked all day, that they would come in and serve you rather than themselves first? Huh? Amen. Well, that's what this is saying. You give them work to do. It's a little thing to just say, okay, um, I come in, I've been working all day long, and here I want to fix you something to eat because you provided this job for me. And uh, not only the job, but you're paying me far more than um, I'm worth. You led me to eternal life. I don't have to be in hell like the rich man. Um, you are not like the rich man. You've not given me the crumbs off the table, but you've spread an array the people in my church eat better than anybody else that I know in the whole world. I've eaten at the finest places, and the food at our church is better. All right? Amen. People catch. One of the people that's in the room with me right now caught some kind of evil poison from eating at the Hilton Hotel. And we had to take her to Cedar sinai Hospital. And then I rushed people over to the health food store because they said when you get poisoned like that, yeah, you're supposed to eat charcoal tablets. What kind of charcoal tablets was that? The the, activated car charcoal. It's activated charcoal, which it pulls the poison from out of your system into the charcoal. And then I had the doctor, my doctor in Beverly Hills, Talk to her, and he said to take what kind of tea? Chamomile. Chamomile tea. And she really thought she was dying. And we were sitting in the hospital, all of us, at Cedar Sinai, and they wouldn't even take her in, and she looked like she was, she was dying. And so I said, let's go. I mean, we've got this information now because one of the people in our church had this problem before, and we called. And Jennifer told us that her daughter was dying from uh, this poison, that food. And we got this activated charcoal capsules from the health food store. And she drank a bunch of them, swallowed a bunch of those down, took some chamomile tea, and she recovered. And so we knew what to do. And we knew that Cedar sinai they were evil, you know, they just guessed that, and, you know, there's other people here too, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But it would have been a little thing for them to just say, get some charcoal, activated charcoal tablets right away, and uh, let's get um, you some chamomile tea. But there's been one case after another where people have died waiting to be seen by, quote, doctors, unquote. Well, they should have somebody there that knows about all kinds of poisons and things like that that can instruct the people that are sitting there and to uh, find out, yes, other people are there before you, but some people uh, are there on emergencies. Amen? Amen? 
So I did that. I sent one of our people over to the health food store, got the charcoal tablets, brought it over, brought some water. She drank it. Uh, I called my doctor in Beverly Hills, which costs money. And he told us what to do, drink chamomile tea on top of it, and she recovered immediately. So we don't just pray, because then you'd be like the uh, priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes that say, be warmed and filled, be warmed and filled, and then just walk away and not do anything. We have to actually let the Lord see us do the things that the Good Samaritan did. Amen? To bind you up, to get you something to recover with, and then pray to the Lord, and then the Lord gives the increase when we do what we're supposed to do. This is the reality of these things, folks. So even though we've been working all day long, I know I was working all day long, and Susie was in bed, and she couldn't get up, uh, but she was still giving orders and everything from her bed, and I'd be working all day in the church and going through hundreds, sometimes even thousands of reports, and taking care of her, uh, coming out. I made the food, I, I made the used the blender, I used the juicers, I gave her health foods, I baked bread, because I am a journeyman baker, and I made uh, honey wheat bread, I ground the wheat and everything like that, to uh, keep her alive. I loved her more than anything in the whole world, except the Lord. And I love all people. I try to do the right thing by them, but when you do, a bunch of ungrateful people will... Uh, the thing they can to nauseate you because they don't do the kind of things that I did. They're just not right people. They're not right. Because I knew it was my duty. The Lord tells me to do these things to people. And it's nauseating for me to see people that don't do that. They won't lift a finger. And even when I'm trying to get the gospel to people in the world, they won't lift a finger. They move very slow and act like they've been working. When in reality, they just got up. They didn't do anything, really. They said they're on the computer, like that's really hard. No, they don't have any sense of duty. But if I'm working in the field all day long, I used to go out with the brothers in Bakersfield and work in the field with them. And then I'd come home and take care of Susie. I wouldn't ask for somebody to take care of me first because I've been working. And I really was working. We'd be out in the hot sun over a hundred degrees out in the field where there's no, sh uh, there's no shade at all. And they have the water, uh, barrel clear down at the end of the row and you just be working hard so you can get to that water barrel. But one thing I learned when I was put into reform school, when I was just a kid for no, just for uh, nothing. One thing I learned is you don't want to drink cold water during a hot day. You want to take salt tablets and uh, drink uh, warm water. Because you drink water, you get so lazy after that. Cold water. It makes you want to... Um, Makes you want to just lie down and go to sleep. Uh, it's just like, it's our duty. It's our duty to, especially when people are feeding and clothing and housing us, 
to do everything in our power to do everything for them. It's your duty. The Lord commands you to do that. If you don't like the person that's feeding, clothing, and housing you, then you're worse than a dog that gets fed. Because you know when you feed a dog, they're your friend. These weasels are not your friend. They're not of the Lord. They're the devil. And I'm not asking for anyone to serve me. But when I want them to serve the Lord by helping to do and get the things in order and get the radio broadcast going and, and help me with the pieces of literature that the Lord has given me to write, they, by God, better get with it. Because it is more than their reasonable duty because they don't really have any duties. But I do. But they do have duties, it says. Ah, that, um, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, God commands you to do them, and you're saying, no, he doesn't. You're arguing, you're disputing the scriptures. You're saying that what the Lord said is just as meaningless as what you say. Likewise, when you shall have done everything, all those things which are commanded for you to do, say, we are unprofitable. We haven't done anything that's worthy of uh, going to heaven. Christ did it all. He's the one that paid the price. Is he not? He's the one that didn't commit one sin. He didn't do anything wrong. And yet he took all the sins that we've committed upon himself and then allowed himself to have his beard ripped out of him, to be stripped naked, to put a crown of thorns on his head and to be nailed to a cross. So uh, in so much as he's done that, next to him, you're unprofitable. You're nothing. I'm nothing. It's my reasonable duty. I'm an unprofitable servant. I, I can't, can't come close to you, Jesus. If I'm suffering some persecution, it's nothing in comparison of what you've been through. We have done that if we'd come in and serve people first instead of ourselves. We have done that which was our duty to do. Amen? Amen. Verse 11. And it came to pass, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I lived in Galilee, right on the Sea of Galilee. Verse 12, and as he entered in at Tiberias, in Tiberias, which is in Galilee, so, um, and Jesus entered into a certain village. Um, there met him ten men that were lepers. All of them had leprosy. They were snow white. White as snow, rather, which stood afar off. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, 
Master, have mercy on us. Uh, verse 14, And when Jesus saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed from all the leprosy. Jesus, oh Jesus, you're our only hope in this world. Doctors can't cure us. No one can cure us, but Jesus, cleanse us, have mercy on us. And as they went away, they were cleansed. There isn't anybody in this world that we can go to that will cleanse us or heal us. If you get some dreaded disease and you think that you're fine and sassy and fat and sassy today, but what about tomorrow if you catch cancer in your brain? A friend of mine who really is not that much of a friend, but uh, I tried to be a friend to him. I let him stay in our guest house, and I fed him and everything, and and he has cancer through and through his brain, and he's dying. And he says that he can sin every day and still go to heaven. He could actually murder people every day and go to heaven. And I told him not to. He says, Please, uh, and we ar- argued back and forth like that. As I was witnessing to him, and he said, stop it, Uh, my brain, you're making me dizzy. I said, okay, friend, but you're going to hell with those thoughts on your mind. I feel it's necessary, it's my reasonable duty, even if I know that people are going to maybe rail on me or uh, talk bad about me, I still have to tell them the truth. So it came to pass that as these lepers, ten of them, went to go and tell the priests that they were healed, they believed it, and they were cleansed. All the snowy white flesh went away, and their skin was that of a baby. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The rest of them didn't, though. Verse 16, and he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, and Jesus answering said, Ah, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Where are they at? That just goes to show that people that are cleansed and healed and fed and clothed and housed and given the gospel, that they're unthankful. They get to thinking that they can run the church. That they're wiser than God. They are fools, the Bible says. They don't believe God. If they believe God, they wouldn't think that way, would they? Huh? Eh? Okay. Verse 18. Uh, There are not found. There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger, the Samaritan. 
they're not even supposed to be saved at this time because they're strangers. They're part Gentile. They have some uh, Semitic blood in them. Verse 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now as for those other guys, the other nine, God only knows what's going to happen to them because they're unthankful. They don't thank God for being relieved from this horrible disease that causes different members of your body to fall off. They are brute beasts. Bruta. Verse 22. And when he, Jesus, was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, Jesus answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words, you guys don't know it, but the kingdom of heaven is being set up in hundreds, thousands, and millions of people's bodies. It doesn't come with observation because it's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God's Son, Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit that enters into people's bodies. And so you can't observe it. The only way that you can observe it is when you see them doing the things that Jesus said to do. Then you can see Christ in action when people are doing, keeping God's commandments, not when they're walking around like they're doing so much work, when they're doing nothing and moaning and groaning. They only got so many hours sleep. When the pastor only gets two to three hours sleep, sometimes four, and sometimes very rarely gets more than that. So Jesus is telling them that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's a spiritual matter. Verse 21, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, because they can't tell who is filled with the Spirit until they see the Spirit in the people in action. For the kingdom of God is within you. It enters within you, you Pharisees. If you ever repent and let the Spirit enter you, then you'll know. You'll know that you're born again of the Spirit. Verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. All right, now you're walking with me. But one of these days you're not going to see me. It's all going to be done by faith. And some of these days, maybe your pastor will be taken away from you. I mean, I'm talking about pastors that really are of the Lord. And you won't see him anymore. Verse 23. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Don't go there. Don't do... uh don't do what other people tell you. Be led by the Spirit. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven. 
so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Well, we don't know where the Lord's going to tell us to go one day from the next. Somebody says, are you going to be busy on Monday? I said, I don't know. Monday's a long day, so I don't know when the Lord's going to, what he's going to tell me to do on that day. Call me then and let's see, okay? Well, we have letters to read. I don't really need to because I've got so much to say here. But where's the first letter from? From Piura, Peru. Okay, let's hear it. Translated from Spanish. Hello, Pastor Lamo. We send you greetings from the prison of Piura, Peru. Now, by the grace of God, we have a pavilion of brethren in the Tony Alamo Ministries. The church is working to visit the rest of the pavilion and many rebellious prisoners to the word. They are accepting the word of God, and now we are a great number. We join together to have worship services. It's about 15 to 200 brethren daily. Send literature and Bibles. Your spiritual son, Adriel, from Piura, Peru, Peru. This is uh, time now to pray. That's the most important thing of these messages. That's what these messages are, are all about, to cause you to hear the word of God and to believe what it says. This is the only sense in the whole universe. And so when you say this prayer, you're going to feel the spirit of God, the kingdom of heaven is going to come into your heart. And nobody will maybe see it, but uh, when you start... Uh, Doing the works of the Lord, people will see that truly Christ with his Father by the Spirit is in you. And this is the beginning of it. This is what we do. We pray. And so say this prayer to the Lord. Say, my Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus, Holy Father God, Holy Spirit, life-giving Spirit. Wash all of my former sins away, Jesus, in the precious blood that you shed for me on the cross at Calvary. You will not turn me away, Lord. You will save my soul, I know, because your word says so. Your word says that uh, all the people, anyone who calls upon me shall be saved. Therefore, I'm calling on you, and I know that you've heard me. I know you've answered me, and I know that I'm saved. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, just praise and thank the Lord. Give him all the glory and praise. And share and tell our listening audience how they can receive a copy of this program on CD or an audio tape free of charge, including postage and handling, uh, this program number 744. Go to com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370. Or fax to area code 479 479- Seven eight two seven four zero six. All right, Stuart Hamlin, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo saying tune in tomorrow for another powerful message from God. Uh, this will lead your soul on a daily basis into the kingdom of heaven. Now, Stuart Hamlin has always written phenomenal gospel songs, probably over two, three hundred of them, or maybe more. And this is one, he wrote This Old House and uh, 
so many of them, and this is one of them. It's called, and it's my, I'm singing it with our orchestra and choir, Of God I Sing. Sing his praises face to face. 